Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our look at the defense team's cross-examination of Gage Grosskreutz, including the stunning moment where the witness acknowledged pointing his gun at Rittenhouse in the milliseconds before the defendant shot him. On today's episode, we conclude our examination of Grosskreutz's testimony with the prosecution's redirect and the defense recross. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As prosecutor Thomas Binger takes the lectern, he has the monumental task of rehabilitating his complaining witness, who has just acknowledged that he pointed his gun at the defendant before the defendant shot him in the arm. This acknowledgement by Gage Grosskreutz appears to give Rittenhouse an all but ironclad self-defense claim against the attempted intentional homicide charge. But rather than beginning his redirect by trying to get the witness to undo this devastating damage to his case, instead Binger begins by talking about Boogaloo Boys. At one point in the video that was played for you by the defense, you referred to the defendant as a Boogaloo Boy. What did you mean by that? I don't recall if I was referring specifically to the defendant, I think a more accurate statement would be the group of armed individuals, um, predominantly white males um, with AR-15s, um, and generally speaking, some sort of, we'll say paramilitary attire. And what I mean by that is camel clothes, um, body armor, chest rigs, helmets, uh, things, things of that nature. Binger then plays the reference clip from Grosskreutz's Facebook Live recording. Looks like the Boogaloo boys, the good old boys rolling up. Two right there. Two right there. Yeah, we got our own medics. You're good. You can go home. The voice that's heard there saying, we got our own medics. You can go home. That's your voice, right? Yes, it is. Why did you say that? <clears throat> it was my interpretation throughout the events of August 25th that these armed individuals, whether they were Boogaloo Boys, Proud Boys, etc., um, all had, a, we'll say, a homogenous appearance. Again, meaning the rifles, the body armor, um, and 
what I had inferred throughout the events of that night, that these groups of people weren't received very friendly towards um, other demonstrators. Um, and in specifically to uh, reference the defendant, it was also my interpretation that uh, the defendant lacked the the necessary experience, potentially the necessary knowledge to adequately fulfill uh, his self-proclaimed role as a medic. Binger next asks the AV tech to advance the video to the moments where Rittenhouse is pulling in a garbage bin from the street back into the car source lot, and we hear someone in the crowd telling him he should stay on the lot and out of the street. For reasons unclear, Binger asks the witness if he saw Rittenhouse engage with the individuals who were shouting, and Grosskreutz responds that he saw no such interaction. The video is then moved forward. It begins again at the moment Grosskreutz hears gunshots and stops as he begins to run after Rittenhouse. That sounded like gunshots. That sounds like multiple gunshots. People are scattering. Now this is southbound on Sheridan. This is, I was just at 60th. Looks like they even set up a recliner. Oh, 110%, bro. Yeah, dude. 100. Do you hear what the crowd is saying at that point? I do. And what were they saying? Uh, sounds like they're yelling medic repeatedly. Is that what caused you to start running? Yes, it is. The video begins again, and we see the camera POV as Grosskreutz runs after Rittenhouse and stops as he is asking the running Rittenhouse questions. to say, Mr. Grosskreutz, that what was just played on the screen is the only words exchanged between you and the defendant after the defendant killed Joseph Rosenbaum? Yes. And you've already explained what you heard at that time. We've already heard the video. Was there ever a time in which the defendant said someone pulled a gun on him? In hindsight, no. Uh, in your statement the next morning, you told the police you'd heard the words, something to the effect of he pulled a gun on me from the defendant. Is that right? Correct. With the benefit of hindsight, we can see that never happened, correct? Correct. Prosecutor Binger appears to be trying to elicit context from Grosskreutz that may help persuade the jurors that his testimony should be given more weight than the statements that he made immediately after the shootings. At the time you gave the statement, to the police the following morning. How long had you been awake? A couple hours, no more. After surgery? After surgery, yes. And before surgery, you'd been awake all day Tuesday, right? Yes. And in the, in the time period between you were shot by the defendant and the time you spoke to the police officers, 
Did you even have possession of your phone? No, I did not. Had you watched this Facebook live stream? No, I had not. Binger asks for the video to continue through the shootings. It begins as a shaky running POV, and then as the gunshots begin, the audio continues as the image goes to black. We can still hear audio, but there's no video coming from your live stream. Do you know why that is at this particular moment in time? I believe it's because I dropped my phone after being shot by the defendant. To the best of your knowledge, did the audio that we just capture or watch rather, did that capture everything that you said when you are, after you talked to the defendant and had that little exchange until you got shot? Yes. At any point in there, did you say anything about you're going to kill the defendant, you're going to shoot the defendant, make any threats to the defendant of any kind? No. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. These questions appear to seek to rebut the evidence offered by the defense that Grosskreutz said that his, quote, only regret was not killing the kid and hesitating to pull the gun before emptying the entire mag into him, end quote. Prosecutor Binger next reshows the witness the series of photographs of the moments immediately before and after he was shot by Rittenhouse, followed by the Brendan Gutenschwager video of the shootings. Mr. Grosskreutz, Defense has shown you a photograph which has been marked as exhibit number 65. I'm just going to hold that for you. Does this show you with your uh, hands raised before the defendant shoots you? Yes. Okay. And uh, I'll just, this has been on the TV screen, but I'll just show the jury. Are you pointing your gun at the defendant here? No, I'm not. Is this right before he does the re-racking of the gun? Yes, it is. And then exhibit number 66, this is the photograph that shows you uh, moving towards the defendant after he re-wrecks the gun. Is that fair to say? Yes, it is. Now, you were asked if you are pointing your gun at the defendant in this picture and also in exhibit number 67. Do you remember being asked those questions? I do. At any point during that encounter, did you intentionally point your firearm at the defendant? 
No, I did not. If your intent was to shoot the defendant with your Glock pistol, would you have gotten that close to him? That was my intent? No. At that moment in time, right before you got shot by the defendant, did you feel there was an imminent danger that the defendant was going to kill you? Yes, absolutely. When you were just demonstrating to us the way your right hand was holding the gun, however it was angled, my question for you is, is that the way you hold and point a gun when you're going to shoot it? No. At last, Binger seeks to rebut the defense contention that Grosskreutz was pointing his gun at Rittenhouse. But the damage of the witness's earlier acknowledgement that he did point the weapon at the defendant has been done. It remains a mystery why the prosecutor did not get out in front of this on direct examination. And with that, Binger concludes his redirect of Gage Grosskreutz. Sharafasi rises for his recross. And you were um, saying that Oh, here come some Boogaloo boys. You've never met Mr. Rittenhouse before, have you? No, I have not. No idea who he was, any affiliation with any group, nothing, right? No. You were just spouting off guessing. Guessing. I was making an inference, yes. Uh, no information. Yes. After highlighting the witness's projections and assumptions about the defendant, Sharafasi moves on to Grosskreutz's further engagement with Rittenhouse. Mr. Um, Binger asked you if you ever threatened verbally with words, Mr. Rittenhouse. Do you remember him asking you that? I do. And your answer was he did not? Yes. You'd agree. People don't have to use words to threaten other people. They can do it by their actions, correct? Yes. Like? running after them down the street with a loaded firearm, right? Yes. Like approaching them, loading their foot and moving their gun forward while the person's on their butt sitting there, right? Those are nonverbal things that can be used to show aggression, correct? Yes. Amazingly, Grosskreutz again acknowledges something that he is under no obligation to acknowledge, dealing another blow to the prosecution case and undermining his testimony about his own intentions. Sharafasi moves on. Now, you can talk about what your mental intention was. You'd agree what everybody's looking at is you pointing a gun at a person's head, right? As well as the defendant pointing his firearm at me. Absolutely. But you are, by your own admission, pointing a pistol from less than three feet away at his head. Agreed? No, I don't agree with that. You don't agree that that gun is pointed in the direction of Mr. Rittenhouse's head? You don't agree with that? In the direction, yes, but directly, no. You didn't tell him what you were doing, right? I don't have time to. Well, as you're running, you didn't say anything. Right? You're just chasing him down. You never say anything. It would have been hard to communicate that over gunfire. My question to you is, you never said a word to him other than approach him with your gun out from three feet away. Right? Yes. And yet again, Grosskreutz concedes to Sharafasi's framing of a narrative that is in direct conflict with the testimony he gave under Binger's questioning. 
Prosecutor Binger takes the opportunity for a second round of redirect to try to cauterize the damage. When you asked the defendant if he'd shot anyone, he lied to you, didn't he? Yes, he did. And even though you've been asked questions about what he said at various times or things like that, did he make threats to anything like that, to people, anything like that? You construed his actions as threatening, didn't you? Based off of witnessing the first two shots with Jump Kick Man, the second, uh, sorry, the third shot that killed Anthony Huber, yes. Sharafasi rises to rebut the testimony elicited by this last set of questions from the prosecution. He didn't lie to you, right? When you had contact with him, he didn't lie to you, did he? Yes, he did. How'd he lie to you? After having asked him who was shot, who was shot, and then him saying, I'm going to the police, which we know after the fact, and then saying, I didn't do anything. So it's your testimony today that you heard. Now, to be fair, your first interview that you signed, you said that he told you, I'm working with the police, right? Right? That is what I thought I heard in the moment, yes. Okay, so you weren't telling the correct statement, correct? Uh, can you? Yeah. You said, that you said that Mr. Rittenhouse lied to you. Yes. Your initial statement to the police was, he told me he, I'm working with the police. You know that's not true. After the fact, yes. Okay. So what is on tape is he said, I'm going to the police, right? Yes. You're not saying that's not true. No, I'm not. And with that, mercifully for the prosecution, Grosskreutz's testimony comes to a close, and we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we take a look at the testimony provided by Kristen Harris, a citizen journalist whose footage of the events leading up to the shootings has repeatedly been presented as evidence in this trial. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.